Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Power Podcast. It's going to be the man down full gear, review, preview, everything from the kitchen sink. I'm doing this as your host, as myself, full time. And joining me back then, all the action for the Power of the Hills in the world and beyond is Betty. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how are you? And no Hamish this week because Portman is very, very busy. So we're not going to out him. Let's get right into the movie, boys. It's down 10 in the NRL on the weekend. Magic Round, as I like to call it. Eight games at a one venue up at Suncorp Stadium in Brisbane. Eels playing the second-to-last game and unfortunately falling just short of the Sydney Roosters, 31-24. For the Roosters, Jared Weir-Hargrave starting the scoring in the third minute with James Tedesco, Sam Walker, and a Joseph Sawali double getting their five tries on the board. Sam Walker going three from five for try conversions, adding a couple of penalty goals and a field goal just before halftime. For the Eels, Isaiah Papali'i scored a double with Mitchell Moses and Ryan Madison also chiming in. Mitch perfect off the tee, four from four, although he did squeeze one of those kicks just for off the uprights. Uh, unfortunately, Tom Opacic was sin-binned in the 15th minute. And we can talk about the mechanics behind that because that's actually an interesting scenario. I don't know if the refs got it right or wrong, but uh, he was binned in a what was deemed a try-scoring scenario, even though Sean Lane had batted the ball down. Uh, but yeah, let's let's go through the stats quickly for this one. Uh, this was fairly close between the two teams, as you'd expect in a seven-point sort of differential game. Eels ahead on possession, 52 to 48%. Time possession, about two minutes in Parramatta's favor, just a bit over. Uh, both teams completing very effectively, 86% for the tricolors, 88% for the blue and gold. Uh, Eels with more runs and run meters ever so slightly. Dogs, dogs. Roosters just ahead on post contact by plus six meters, 570 to 564. Five line breaks apiece. Eels with 43 tackle breaks to the Roosters 31, but the Roosters having a better average set distance by about plus five metres, which was probably reflected during some of that contest in the second half. Both teams 16 offloads. Eels diffuse the ball slightly better, which doesn't count for much when uh, Suwali makes that sensational catch uh, for a try, unfortunately. Uh, Eels defending slightly better in terms of effective tackle rate, 86 and a bit percent versus the Roosters who are a smidge under 84%. Uh, Eels missing 31 tackles to the Roosters of 43 uh, but both teams making 23 ineffective tackles. Finally, we get to the discipline. Uh, Eels making five errors to the Roosters' six, but conceding six penalties to the Roosters' three. But on the flip side, uh, the Roosters were uh, infringing inside the 10-meter or in the ruck eight times in this game to the Parramatta's one. Uh, no cautions or sin bins, by the way, boys, there, despite a whole string of them in a row. Uh, but the Eels did have the solitary sin bin, and both teams used Eight interchanges, and that's the numbers for this one, boys. I don't know where you want to start because we, we in terms of starting, we, we started so badly in this game, but launched a big comeback in the second half, only to fall just short after uh, our momentum was kind of snuffed out by, I want to say, a semi-controversial uh, penalty for Dylan Brown taking uh, Torpenor high, but uh, that that's probably one of those ones where I think technically it was correct to award a penalty, but there was literally one frame where Torpenor ducked his head into into. Dill's arm, arm that would have otherwise been across the sternum. Yeah, that Dillard one's a difficult one because, like, um, you see it and you see Tupanua tucks his chin to his chest and runs with his head down and you just go, well, I understand that the, the defender has to have a duty of care there, but when you're told to tackle, like, they've got to wrap the ball up and Dylan's a good defender, so you got to wrap the ball up and bring him down. Well, that's the part of the body he's going to aim for, so... If he aims for anywhere lower, he's like it's going to get trampled on. So it's sort of I, I get why it's a penalty. Um, he, it's, it's the same thing with you know, Tom. Put him on report, but 
it was rightfully not charged. I get the penalty though. I mean, I, I had a huge sigh of relief when I saw he wasn't charged because it just felt like it was a sort of tackle that'll probably get a grade one or grade two, knowing our luck in the past. You know, we need to look at uh, some of our judiciary stuff with our junior uh, junior bar law, and it's just a nightmare. But yeah, between that and the Tom Opacic simbin, where uh, James was it James Tedesco that was pushing up in support, and Opacic tackled him at a point where I think the ball honestly would have arrived on time, uh, but Sean Lane tips it. And the and the, I think the eels had recovered or the roosters recovered, but it was like a dead ball century. Someone had dived on it, and they ruled that opportunity needed to go to the simian for a professional foul when the roosters never would have had a chance to possess the ball anyway for a try scoring situation. So I don't know, crazy, crazy set of uh, things in this game. But let's we'll go back to that first half because the eels unfortunately considered the early try. Reagan Campbell Gillard pushing up out of the line too hard and getting uh, unfortunately a little bit embarrassed by uh, Jared Warrior Hargraves who did the big show and go. Followed up with, uh, what do we have? We had Reed Money kicking with um, no one aware of it in the end zone. We had uh, Guffo have his, uh, did he get nutmegged or just miss it, I suppose? But uh, he missed a, a grubber kick. There was just a whole flurry of errors in the first half that spotted the Roosters about two or three tries. Yeah, with that Guffo one, it just sort of, it was going right, which Guffo would have and had, last, but then all of a sudden that last out. bounce just yeah. before he got to it, just broke left, which got to him and... Um, unfortunately, Guthrie wasn't able to recover quickly enough. But yeah, that one it was. Well, that's the thing. Like I always talk about it, but doing something different in the game. Like if if that was a what was expected in that play was probably a chip kick for Tedesco to chase through or an end over and to grubber. Whereas it was maybe it was a miskick, kick, maybe it was kicked on purpose for Sam Walker. But he did it so that. Something different happened, and look what you know. It resulted in a try, and I'd like to see us do more of it, whether it be from kickoffs. I know we've tried um, short dropouts recently, but I feel like we're doing them incorrectly. Um, we saw a couple of weeks ago Adam Reynolds drill one towards the sideline. Maybe Cherry Evans did one too, but I remember one from Reynolds, and it's just something different. And teams shit themselves when it happens, and it feels like sometimes Parramatta. Well, look at the try that Mitchell Moses scored. He did the wrong thing. He took on the short side, he burned around them, and then put in two kicks for himself. You're not supposed to do that, and yeah, something exactly. happened from it. Exactly. And Mitch is probably one of the best exponents of it in the NRL in that regard, uh, being able to, like we talked about, play within and without structure uh, pretty comfortably, and we saw the best of him in this game, I felt like, after that slow start from the team. I felt that he did a great job of not getting away from what was clearly a game plan to work against the Roosters and sticking to our guns, but also taking what was given to him, like that try that you mentioned, Ham, where he takes it down the short side on the last and gets the two kicks ahead. Uh, but, yeah, really good game from Mitch, but just not enough, I suppose, when we fall seven points short, which, I mean, I don't want to complain about officiating, but I felt like the the Roosters were spotted a few points there. I felt like the first try to Joseph Sawali came off a two-meter forward pass, where just because you do a backhand flick, Joseph Minor, doesn't mean it's not a forward pass. Uh, plus, there was a couple other things there too. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where I'm, I was mortified by how bad we started and I was really, really frustrated. But on the flip side, we, we mounted a very legitimate comeback. And while you don't get the two points and that really hurts, in the past, this is the sort of game where the Roosters go on and win by 40 or 50 points against us because they got that early start. They play with the momentum. Our heads go down. We get away from what we should be doing. And instead, in this game, we got back to what we need to be doing. And this was even with quiet gains from uh, Junior and Rich. Yeah, look, I'll just, I'm, I'm, look, I'm not ref bashing. I'm thinking, have, like, why wasn't there a warning at least? You know, like, it was a common tactic what they were doing. They were um, slowing the ball down, not so much in our 20 or in our 30 or 40, sorry, but they knew where they knew where they could give away um, 
where they could give away a, a six game without giving away a penalty. And as soon as we like in, in our half, they'll clean. In our forty, they'll clean. Like they were, they weren't rushing in. And I don't. I just it was a weird game because the referee was pretty hot on the bloody inside the ten or you know uh, you know early mark. But um, I don't know. Just I, I, I was talking before the podcast. You know, we have we just like, I'm not gonna bash him. But hey, it's not his fault we lost. But you know, like. He's our weakest link in our team at the moment, and they scored two tries off that. And you know it's a close game, and I'm not bashing him, but it's just it just seems like every week so a team's taking advantage of our, us, and we can't do the same to the, to the opposition. Extent. Yeah, I don't know. Just a bit, I'm a bit salty, but yeah, I, think I mean, one I, thing, I think a player I think... that let us down massively was uh, Reed Marnie. Like, oh, mate, he did I it early in the game me. where he kicked on the third tackle. He's taking options going all the time now. Like I don't understand what happened to him from last year. It was you know, uh, are we taking away the short crash ball from him? And all of a sudden, but we, we, we are because pants. one of one of my criticisms was in that first half where we had a glut of possession in the Roosters' red zone, which I felt like it was it was similar to the North Queensland game, but we had a little bit more direction this one, and, and the patience was much better. But there were times where Reed was just going forward for forward for forward uh, for three or four tackles and just not giving Brown or Moses anything to work with. So I don't know. I, the short ball is definitely still an option for him to the point where he was overusing it, I felt. Like you even said it's it, um, or like during the game, just do your simple shit. Like why are you being creative? Like uh, is it because you want to be the Queensland hooker? Like you're, tr- you're trying to, you know, outplay Harry Grant? Like the reason why you got this big contract from Can- uh, Canterbury Bulldogs, not because you're the only hooker, oh, sorry, keep saying hooker, you know, only dummy half available. It's because you played simple football. You made your tackles, right? You, you you're a supporting cast member, and I'm not. And I'm actually taking a shot at Reed. You are a supporting member, a supporting cast to to. It's Moses' team. Guff, uh, Guffo's second in charge. Brown's the third uh, in charge, and he's having his career best year. You're the fourth best player, best player in our spine. You're four out of four. So you just got to do the simple shit, all right? You're not. You're not. Stop, you're not Cameron Smith. You're not doing hero ball stuff. You're not going to win off the back of your offense. You're going to win off the back of your defense. Yeah, I'll give you that. So stop kicking. You know, stop going for kicks. Give it to Moses. Moses has got the best kick in the game, right? What's, just do you stupid shit. And, I, and it's a bit of a rant, but I'm, I can't I can't defend this guy. What, what's crazy and maybe, to me, Bertie and Ham, too, is that we have forwards like Junior and Reg and Ice and Ryan Madison, who is in career best form, and they're having these carries where they're tearing absolute strips out of the defense, and yet Reed isn't able to take advantage of it with a running game. It's just, I suppose, frustrating that we can't get big line breaks through the middle off, off the dummy half from it. Well, yeah, I remember seeing Gutho um, come in at one point and, like, push Reed out of the way so he could run from dummy half. And, like, I remember saying, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, whether it's you, you an know, ego thing. Say, or an ego thing, but, like, I remember Reed in the 20s and he would take those cheap meters from dummy half. Like, there was a couple of times where, again, he tried to do too much close to the line and ended up, you know, wasting opportunities out wide by trying to crash the ball over. But I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what it is, but sure, as you said, 40, like surely behind these guys you can find some space somewhere. Yeah, like even, I mean, if, even if you do crash pause, like suck the defense in and then just whip it out wide. Like just do what teams do to us. Surely they watch film on their own defense and they think, hang on, we can do the same thing. God, it's just simple simple maths, essentially. But yeah, and honestly. I know, before you said uh, about Dylan Brown, sorry, John. Oh, that's 40. okay. No, you go, Matt. <laughs> uh, I was just going to say with Dylan Brown, I thought this game was – it was ripe for a Dylan Brown run, but he just seemed to be hesitant like he was last year on some of the things he was doing. I'm not sure if, if it was the defence rushing outside coming up hard from the Roosters that sort of maybe spooked him a little bit, but 
this year we've seen Dill Brown be confident, you know, either using that left foot step or the right foot step to beat players and, you know, draw defenders in. And I just, we just didn't see this game. I, was, I don't know if, yeah, that outside rushing defence spooked him a little bit, but like. He had that it, good run in the end of Chicken's Dad. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's hard not to talk about that moment where we were still two scores down at that point, were we? Uh, I think the Roosters got in their penalty goal and a bit of uh, it was because of that stupid Fox cam. But we, oh, had, we had to watch the entire sequence of play shit. from the rever- like the rear angle broadcast thanks to the Fox flying Fox cam. And Dill makes that big line break and has uh, – I don't think Hayes was Hayes Perrin was quite uh, sort of on the spot for the chase in the first place, but he missed Guffo on his inside. And Guffo had managed to separate himself from the cover chase and scores under the posts if he, he looks inside and would have closed it down to, I believe, a one-point game at that uh, at that particular moment with a couple of minutes to spare, but unfortunately he didn't see him. And it felt like that was kind of like the game in a nutshell where we did so much good but just couldn't quite get there at the end. And, you know, it, it sort of cost us a spot in the top four at the end of the round, but we're still inside the top eight, which is not the end of all by any means. But, yeah, it was a game that I'll look back and, and do the review on and say, man, we should have beaten them pretty comfortably. And the Roosters played good football too. That's the thing. The Roosters played their, their best, best game of the year. Best game of the year, and the Eels still should have beaten them pretty, pretty well. So mm-hmm. – that, that's one of those – I wouldn't say it's a silver lining, but it's one of those moments where you look back reflectively and say, we are a good team, we, we're a very good team, and we should be taking these wins. And, yeah, there's still big handicaps on this team. We know that. You mentioned Hayes Perrin, Birdie. The, the poor bloke's out there trying his tail off, and uh, he is trying his tail off. Like, you can see the effort. But he's a guy learning his job on the job, which is hard, and especially when you're taking on some of the best teams in the comp in the Panthers and a resurgent Roosters. And, you know, the Roosters and Penrith the week before – went after him as they should because that's what you do when you're trying to pick out weaknesses in the team. And he, he didn't quite have it, especially with the Joseph Suwali matchup. So they scored some fluky tries. Oh, like, they, they definitely scored some lucky tries and they, they had some, uh, you know, good. Like muscle. Jared Warrior-Huggers, how many times do you see him throw a dummy, right? And everyone falls for it. Then you have Tedesco bounce the ball. Like that never happened. And then the um the Sam Walker, Sam Walker one, like if Guffey's back there, Sam Walker's not chipping. So like there's some like – Opportunistic tries, and they took it, took advantage of it, and you know, you know, yeah, and that's that's rugby league, mate. Like, uh, unfortunately for the Eels, they couldn't make it two in a row. Roosters very good on the day, playing their best football of the season, and I think out of this, I think there are positives to take in terms of us mounting a, a legitimate comeback and not folding, as we talked about historically against the Roosters in particular. If we do get behind, we get behind big, but they they stuck to their guns, they went to the game plan. And, and they had the Roosters on the ropes. Like, there was a time in the second half where, look, the Roosters were completely gassed. And unfortunately, that Dylan Brown penalty, as we spoke about earlier, Ham, I think that was a real uh, kick in the nuts in terms of the momentum of that contest. Well, yeah, you could probably go to the 40, 45th, 47th minute. Let's have a look. Papa scored. And then literally two minutes on oh, the next set, Mitchell Moses scored. Mm-hmm. Like, big 12-point swing there. Like, that was a turning – that was a real turning point. I was going, oh, shit, you know, we can win this game now. Um, but yeah, speaking of Mitch, I think, you, you know, he's shown glimpses in the past, but, and everyone keeps calling him a flat track bully, but geez, like you talk about the chips being down for a halfback in this game, the chips were down for a halfback in this game. And he, he took it upon himself through his running and passing game to just, it's, it's crazy. Well, because I've seen a fair bit of criticism, not from the media for this game. But amongst the fandom of the last few weeks, I feel like Mitchell Moses hasn't stood up. I was like, does anyone understand the context of the Penrith game, how he was kicking from inside his 30 for a full quarter in that second half? 
He won. He won us that game with with his kicking game. He, he kept us in a game that allowed the rest of the team to then come to the fight and get us over the line against you know a full strength Penrith Panthers outfit. And in this game, he he I don't think he humanly could have done anything else possible. He was. They don't. Immense. They don't watch our games. They just watch highlights. And that that's that's probably a big part of it, Bertie, is that there is a lot of highlight watching or just looking at the box score. Uh, but yeah, unfortunately for Mitch, you know, to cop that sort of criticism is frustrating. But look, he, like you said, Ham, he is not a flat track boy. He is a guy that is almost relishing these contests now. You go back yeah. to that game against Penrith up on uh, where did we play him? Was it Mackay? What, what was the elimination final last year? Yeah, is it Mackay's that shitty great yeah, reserve grade ground? Yeah, exactly. And once again, it wasn't a game where he dominated the stat sheet because it was an eight six scoreline. You know, same thing for Nathan Query, but he was just hammering them all day of his kicks. You know, he was delivering the ball cleanly, defending strongly, and that's in those sort of contests when you're playing the best of the best, those games shouldn't be lost on fans. That is, that is huge to be able to play at the level required in a, you know, even even high of an origin level arena at times. Didn't, yeah, didn't um, he get all three points? Sorry, Ham. Didn't he get all three points past game on Delhi M? Uh, he got the free, yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, Brandy Alexander gave him the three points, and that that's a different conversation in terms of uh, whether he was the best on field. He, he was definitely close to it. But I imagine there'd be some Roosters of fans understandably aggrieved that a team that won by seven didn't have the top point scorer. But th- th- that just is reflective of Dalliums in general. There's going to be some highly contentious picks every week, given there's uh, bad judges uh, and a flawed system in place. Anything else? I was going to go one? back. Yeah, uh, I was going to say you talked about uh, Hayes Perham being a uh, not a detriment to the team. What would what, you say? What was the word uh, used? Like respectively, he's the weakest. There's, there's a weak link in every team, and he's unfortunately. The week. Nah, nah, 40, 40 used a word. Oh. Um, 40 used a specific word. God. He uses big words. I, the big words yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> what, what, what did I say? Because I know I was talking about how he was learning his job on the job. Um, uh, you were just talking about how, like, um, not a detriment, whatever it is. What I'm trying to point to that is, um, I think another detriment to this team now is that Darwin game. Yeah. We've now lost oh, two yeah, games does, yeah, yeah. Two from that Darwin game. And I'm going to, because we played the Cowboys up in Darwin. And we lost, and then I've we've been told that it's two weeks after that Darwin game that they they feel it. So there's two things and, we, should be, we should be pushing for if we're going to go to Darwin is a we're not playing the Cowboys, and b the second week we get our bye. Yeah, if we're going to stay. Or in it's not a you know it's it's a ridiculous turnaround with the amount of flying that we had to do. We had to go up to Darwin in stinking humidity, come back, play freezing cold Penrith in six days, and then again fly back up to Brisbane where it's humid well, after pouring rain and we're playing in Brisbane on a ground that's had six games played on before it. And I, I think it showed that well, Reg and Junior, I thought they were lethargic they're, they're to start quite, the game. Quite it, games wasn't until, yeah. it wasn't until Maddo and uh, Makatoa came on that, you know, they brought the energy and the spark and then it was that second half that we're able to come on. But, geez, you know, we're, we're, we're in a – yes, it's good to, to make money. And I don't know if the deal's still on, but when it was first uh, bargained, we were getting a million dollars for that Northern Territory deals. I don't know if we are or not, but at the end of the day, that's four competition points. The the Cowboys ones, whatever, because they they flogged us. But seven points in this game, we could have won this one. Mm -hmm. And I think it might only be 10% of of the reason why we lost. But that 10%, I mean, 10% if we 10% played that game huge. at Parramatta Stadium rather than Darwin, might have meant that we win this game by one or two points rather 10, than 10%. When you're talking about like a formula for winning, if you've got a factor of 10%, that is huge. Like that is something you want to be able to control. If you, if it's like 1%, even that's still significant, but you're like, okay, that's in the margins. 
But if, you, if you're talking about like something up to 10%, then yeah, you want to be on top of that. And I suppose the other thing worth mentioning is because we took that game to TIO Stadium in Darwin or Marawara Stadium, whatever it's called these days. Let me see if it says it here. I don't know. Uh, but we've been on the road for a month. We, we go back to- We've, round, had, a, we've had a shit draw. Yeah, yeah but we, we, go like, back, we go back not, to round not, seven not at McDonald's Jones Stadium. That is- not- like not opponents wise, we've had a shit draw. Like we've had four six day breaks, right? We've gone the Gold Coast, gone to Melbourne, gone to Darwin, gone to Brisbane. We've travelled more than the North Queensland Cowboys, and they travel every second week. Like we've had well, a you, shit draw. You, you say um, against opponents, we've played the other top five teams. Well, that that's the thing is that coming into the season, sixth. Parramatta's draw was the hardest on strength for schedule, and it doesn't help that some of the we, the problem was that our our schedule fat was fact on the fact. On the basis that we faced the top four twice, I think we play the Roosters. Uh, Roosters. We play the Panthers, Storm, uh, Roosters, and Manly twice. And uh, who was the other team? The other big team. I know we play the Roosters twice, and maybe we play South, South? twice too. And Souths obviously are being trending downwards, but uh, we also play the Cowboys, who are trending upwards. And then there's a couple of matchups that make our draw really bad. Like I said, Manly Birdie. And yeah, and it's just unfortunate that we just have this really nasty stretch where we go a month away from home and includes uh, a resurgent Cowboys who are the you know the hottest team in terms of uh, improving from 2021 in the competition. Then you got the Roosters, you got uh, the Panthers, and you got Manly. And so yeah, not, not much you can do about that except maybe bringing the uh, the Darwin game back to Sydney. But yeah, the other, the other thing I want to mention you touched on his name Ham is uh, the the month of Mad- uh, Madison Madness continues. He was outstanding again. We mentioned he scored a try earlier when we did the score recap, but also went for 170 meters, just a casual 10 tackle bust, a couple of offloads, uh, you know, just in scorching hot form. He is just sizzling. Uh, the guy has been on the bench this entire run, but has ostensibly been our primary lock forward. He's been playing 50 plus minutes in every game. Um, he's going to be rewarded for that form this week. We'll get to that later. But, you know, he's just off off contract and surely he's a priority retain. I know there's talk about the Dolphins being interested, but given how much they've been throwing around everywhere, I can't imagine their offer could be too ridiculous uh, given what funds are left available for filling out half their team still. But, yeah, just an incredible form and up against one of his old clubs killed them again. Well, yeah, you talk about the Dolphins. I read that article with his manager and it was sort of like – it seemed like manager talked that, oh, yeah, the Dolphins are interested. It was sort of like – when Reg was off contract, yeah, yeah, very similar, and it was just like, oh, well, the Dolphins, are, the Dolphins are also there, so we won't be taking up the player option. But Reg really wants to stay at Parramatta. It seems like that. Whereas, like, it's the same thing here, where oh, Madison really wants to stay at Parramatta, but we, we, you know, the Dolphins are there. Other clubs are looking at him, which might be true, but I think that uh, Madison hopefully goes against what his some of his teammates have done. And don't go to shit-performing clubs and because they can see that, oh, you know, oh, the Reed's going to the Bulldogs. Well, they've signed Matt Burton, Adokar, Brent Naden. Well, they had – he's gone now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pangai Jr. And they're statistically worse than they are last year. Yep. And they've just signed Reed for 800000 allegedly $800,000 a year now. Yeah, three-year, $2.4 million was the most recently reported deal by – was it Nicolucci or one of the well, – was one of the primetime, like the big-time the big time reporters yeah. for every week. Uh, so because the, the, all the talk today obviously has been about who's got a key man clause at the dogs and if it was uh, – uh, what's his name from Kikau? Sorry, uh, Kikau or Reed, and the the dogs came out and confirmed that they both are honouring their contracts. But in the, in the process, we got some updated figures from the journalists, and yeah, it's not pretty. <laughs> so yeah, like hopefully he's got his head screwed on and goes, 
I can earn very similar amount of money at Parramatta. I'm going to be in a strong team. I can be a, a leader of this forward pack along with Junior and Reg for a few years to come now. Hopefully he stays. And I think if he keeps playing in this way, that's, we want him to stay. So hopefully O'Neill and the retention and recruitment board are moving a bit faster than their usual glacial pace and they get it done. And look, based on what we're going to talk about later in this podcast, it's clear that there is a starting role to be had for Madison if he if he wants it and needs to keep his form up. So that's not going to be an impediment to re-signing him. And, you know, the way he's playing, I mean, the, the guy is arguably the most informed forward in the competition. And it, it, just outside of that, how good is it to see him get back to the player we knew he could be when he came over the Parramatta before he got derailed by a string of really unfortunate concussions? Absolutely. He's got that ball playing ability. He's got that offload. Like, some of his offloads are still a little bit down. Um, a little bit loose. But he, he, ste- bit loose. he, he steps, he steps <laughs> through off both them. feet. Uh, he's great through post-contact, um, can run a nice line. So the, he, in many ways, he's just like the prototypical modern back rower. And I'm just so happy to see him starting to fully realize the potential, both athletically and just as a footballer that he has. And obviously, the Eels have been benefiting him from this year as well. So hopefully, we can get him under lock and key. But on that note, no injuries out of this game, no suspensions. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we move on to news and previews? No, I think I'm all good now. Yep. Eat all my grievances. Yeah. Addressed all my enemies. That's it. Oh, I mean, we could always talk about the refs a little bit more, I suppose. Uh, but no. <laughs> maybe let's, not. <laughs> let, let's get on to it. So jumping into the news. No, so before we get to the news, we did have a handful of non-related or non-Paramatter affiliated directly games on the weekend. Uh, despite being the global buy, it was City v Country. I don't even know they brought this back as like a mainline event, but it play, it was played during the global buy for New South Wales Cup, Jersey Fleck and the Harvey Normans Women's Premiership. Eels had a smattering of representatives across the three games that were played, and I'll tell you who took part in those games. Uh, for the New South Wales City under-16s, uh, we had both Zaydis Moagatutia and Jordan Uta uh, taking part, and then we move on to the under-18s where Charlie Geimer and Ethan Sanders were representing the Blonde Gold. Then in the women's open age, uh, these people aren't affiliated directly with the Eels in terms of the clubs that they're representing because it's the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, but in terms of the Eels that you might know from the 2021 NRLW, we have Abby Church, uh, we have Rakia Horn, we have, oh, that's in the country team, and then in the city team, sorry, that's why I was getting confused because I didn't see these people before. Uh, we had Kennedy Cherrington, Emily Curtin, Josephi Daniels, uh, both the Hanisi girls, so Philomena was the one that we were acquainted with from NRLW, but her sister Fatafehi also played. Then we had Tamai kelly Sainz, Shelley Malangi, Tyna Navidi, Christian Pio, Maddie Studden, and Mariva Swan, all representing the Eels uh, via that capacity there. In terms of the match reports, boys, uh, I haven't got very detailed ones this year in terms of the scorers, but I do know that in the 16s, Jordan Utah scored a double, uh, whereas in the 18s, Charlie Guyman nabbed the try, and although he didn't get man the match, he was spoken about as in close consideration for best player on field. Uh, Ethan Sanders apparently ran a very tight ship for the New South Wales City. Then in the women's... Oh, well, you, you know, it's again, we spoke about people only watching highlights before, but only watch highlights of this game. Uh, Ethan's just in, every, like, literally every try that scored is either set up or... Finished off by Ethan. So and for very a player from, for yeah. a player that we've seen a lot of him, and for a young man that didn't just get promoted from SG Ball, but entirely skipped the grade, going from under seventeens to under twenty ones, it's almost an expectation that he would come back and dominate an under eighteens representative game. So good yeah. to see him. I mean, this this is a player that we've loved watching for a while. Um, the fact that he's doing well in the flag just speaks to his talents. So good to see him. Well, I was going to say, do you remember eighteen or sort of sixteen months ago? I'll say. Uh, we saw Ethan Sanders run up for the uh, Harold Matthews and was saying, 
when he develops a kicking game, yep. he'll yep. be the, one of the better all-round halves we've had for that age. He developed that kicking game throughout that year, and look where he's gone. Yep, just gone from strength to strength. And like you said, he's just a very well-rounded prospect, and you know that's huge. Just having a guy that can run a game, can do the run, kick, pass, triumvirate is very, very good. And the fact that he's, and he's left-footed, which is nice to have as a as a pairing thing for a matchup thing for each side of the the field. And yeah, the fact that he's stepped up to the twenty ones and his belly, if uh, if Mister Beat is fantastic, and yeah, he dominated in city versus country. So that was those three representative games done. Let's move on to the NRL and Parramatta news now. We'll start with the injury report as we usually want to do, and it's it's starting to get down, boys. Those those names is coming off the sheet uh, this week. We remove Mike Acevo's name from the injury sheet. He comes back into uh, both NRL and New South Wales Cup consideration, which means right now we have two season-ending injuries for Ray Stone and Hayes Dunster. Obviously, it's the last we're going to see of Stoney for at least a while unless he comes back uh, post-Dolphins career. But Wonga Blake is the only uh, sort of 2022 active player left to come back, and we've got a return date. It's going to be – I was going to say, was he TBA before this he was, week? He was TBA, and now he's due back either next week or the week after. So that is huge. Eels get Murata back this week. They get uh, Marcus Evo back this week. Uh, and all of a sudden that, you know, we've got a full-strength forward pack and we've got a back line that is pending a little bit of match fitness for the guys like Sean Russell, Marcus Evo, and obviously Wanga when he gets back. We've got a team that's almost full-strength. Well, with Wanga, I wonder if we – because we played Canberra and then we got the buy around 13. So I'm thinking maybe not next week. I think we might give him just that extra week mm-hmm. off. He gets I two could, weeks break and then we come back on the June long weekend on the Monday – so maybe he gets the gets the two weeks break there. I, I, that definitely makes a lot of sense, unless he's completely confident in his knee and uh, wants to. Because he's the sort of player that you're not going to worry about match fitness for. I think you just get him back into the lineup. Uh, yeah, but that that is huge news. And obviously, you knock on wood that we don't get any fresh additions to the injury ward. But the Eels are, are finally finally getting healthy. It only took us you know half the year or half the season, sorry, to to get there. But we're finally getting healthy. So we had the good news. Let's move on to well sort of out of nowhere, but uh, it was announced, what, Monday night, uh, sort of suddenly late at night too, or in the afternoon, uh, Dave Kibwell has immediately stepped away from the Parramatta Reels, and he's taking up a, an executive coaching role as a defensive specialist for the uh, the Pumas, for the Argentinian rugby union team. So, you know, Kid, Kidwell's been here for quite a while now. Since Was it 2018 he came on board, boys? I think it was after... Yeah, halfway through. Yeah halfway through, and by and large has done some pretty good work for us. The Eels have been top three or top five in defense at the end of every calendar year since he's taken on board, except for 2018, obviously, where uh, that led to a, a wholesale uh, fix-up of the, the team, not just coaches. Uh, yeah, so one of those things where you, you certainly wish him the best in his future endeavors, and he joins Michael Chaker, is it, that's over there? Could be. I know nothing about rugby union. I think, I'm pretty certain it's Michael Chaco who's coaching. I could be wrong with this, but I think that is. So, you know, I mean, Argentina is a pretty cool place. So he's going to have some fun at the very least. Oh, yeah, good on him. Um, yeah, as you said, since he's been, or barring his first couple of months here, we've been consistent, consistently up the, up the top there. So um, he's obviously brought an expertise to the club. Um, but now we've just got to look forward to another coaching appointment, whether it be... Um, even promoting Ryan Carr. I know he had some interest from Super League. I imagine that would be the, assistant. the most straightforward process, right? Um, so yeah. you get Carr on, give him an elevation to a full-time NRL assistant, and then I suppose that means the cascading effect is you've got to find a, a new New South Wales Cup coach at some point. So Yeah, or it could be that we go out and find a uh, recently quit, quit coach. No, <laughs> I wouldn't want that. Um, 
I <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't want that in the club, but maybe we go out and find another another voice to have at training because I know that we brought in Ennis and uh, McGregor this okay, year. Yep. We might be going out and finding uh, someone else there to bring in a different voice, uh, different ideas to the club. Yep, and that'll be something we'll monitor, obviously, on the podcast, and as news breaks, we'll inform you, although I'm sure anyone listening to the podcast will be pretty on top of Parramatta news in general. But let's move on. We mentioned these off the injury list, boys, but Mike Acevo, unsurprisingly, takes up his player option for season 2023, which means he's obviously contracted at the end of next year. I mean, this wasn't something that we'll uh, exactly not expecting. He's coming off a knee injury. Very few players are going to bet on themselves on an open market without you know some uh, form or tape to sell to the market, and Mike is going to get an extra year inside a good team to sort of uh, boost his stock. Yeah, um. I don't know if it was unexpected coming off an injury. Probably one of his um is yeah just a, another year. Yeah, just gar- it's a gar- guaranteed contract, a chance to put some tape on and remind everyone that he's a you know a plus and a real winger like we saw in 2019 in particular. So if he can get back to that sort of form, you know he'll he'll get whether it's the Dolphins or the Titans or you know the Tigers. They all love to overspend for a flashy winger, or maybe in yeah. Par- or maybe in Parramatta if he just gets back to his best, there's a good chance the Eels will say, well, we want you on board. Well, that's the thing. I think we've, especially me, have uh, underestimated Sivo a little bit. I think. Um, I think it's just because of his carries. We're going, oh, you know. But he was still um, top top ten try scorer last year, I, I believe, mm-hmm. despite getting injured. Uh, obviously, twenty nine wing, twenty nineteen wing of the year had a, a decent twenty twenty. So you know, even if he can get back on the field and everything, he'll obviously be a plus for us. Yeah, and so good to see what he can do this year. Um, he looks nice and lean in those training pictures I've seen. So maybe he's not like he was overweight in terms of like fat, but it, maybe he's shed a little bit of the muscle bulk uh, in lieu of being a little bit liver and and perhaps being a little bit more conditioned. So going to be very keen to see what he can add to us. And the competition between him and Russell for that left wing spot is going to be awesome in general. Um, and once Wang gets back, just having that full full strength backline, man, just you can't talk about it enough. It's going to be so nice. I thought we were gone when he went down. I thought we were gone for this year because. You know, we're losing Fergo and then him. I'm like, it looked, it did Jesus. look dire, but uh, and now that you've got Hayes, Russell, and like Simonson, like, and I was telling you, talking to you before, like, you know, maybe he might not be here in a couple of years, like, maybe he, he might be our, you know, New South Wales Cup winger, essentially. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that disrespectful, it's just the other players are coming through with pro doing better, so but yeah, yeah, so a little bit of our roster construction going in there, which means it was have, I mean, I, I think that would have factored hit on him taking the player option up regardless, but a little bit more clarity on their 2023 cap situation and beyond. Uh, but now onto the NRLW and on the back of re-upping their coach, Dean Witters, last week, the Eels announced some uh, retentions and recruitment this week. One of their core players from the 2021 season that was played this year, Tiana Penatani, has re-upped for two years. She'll be here until the end of season 2023. Gives the Eels a bit of strike power down that left edge at centre. And on top of that, we get Kennedy Charrington coming back to be the live wire in the ruck, and she'll be joined by her sister, uh, Ruben Charrington, who is a dummy half. So I'm not sure what that means for Nita Maynard's future at the as an eel or as a blue and gold player, but uh, eels get a pair of Charringtons and a Penatani to go with it to start building for the next, well, for the 2022 season that should be coming to us at the back end of the NRL regular season. Any comments, please? Yeah. I, I, I get confused with this women's football. That's, a, like, what's that's all good. But, I mean, I'm happy to see these moves. It's solid roster construction. Um, Panatani was very dynamic at times for us, and we can get her more involved. Obviously, it's going to be better for the team. And I think we've got the best of Charrington or of Kennedy to see 
coming forwards and I'm very interested to see what her sister can do. I imagine she might be a bit of a fiery character like Kennedy, which is always good in a dummy half. So, yeah, good moves from the Eels. She's very young too. I believe she's 20. Oh, she played under-19s last year, so yes. she'd be 21 mm-hmm. at, the, at the oldest. So very young, very young. Yeah, so, so who was that? Who were dummy halves this year? Was it? I know it was Aiton was one it of the. It was uh, Nita Maynard, and I think it was a Shirley Malungi that did a little bit of. Uh, yeah, she played there. a little bit there, and also um, Therese Aiton. And Therese Aiton, yeah, who unfortunately she had that massive, um, massive. Uh, it, was, it wasn't so much the concussion, but it was the contusion. Like she, she ended up uh, swollen eyes. She played the next week. I think she, it was. she ended up um, <laughs> busting open the the her head a fair bit, which is what the issue was. So. Yeah, good to see the Eels making those moves and very keen to see if the girls can go a bit further in the 2022 season. But we're going to, uh, as they continue to build that squad, we'll keep you guys updated. But I think that's all the NRL news for round 10 going into 11. Let's start talking previews, boys, because we've got three games up against a big rival this week as uh, the Eels take on the Manly Sea Eagles in the Jersey Flag and the NRL and the Bankstown Workers Sea Eagles in the New South Wales Cup. Uh, it's a doubleheader on Friday night for the New South Wales Cup and the NRL, but bizarrely, the, the, you mentioned this beforehand, but the timing on the Cup game is two and a half hours before kickoff for Terrible. the NRL, which just means Ham and I will be out there watching, you know, obviously. You know, uh, I actually won't be. Wow. Wow, he's just put me on the spot here. So yeah, you, you're going to dog the flag on Saturday and you're also going to dog, yeah. wow. I know it's it's terrible, but so I, I, was, I was planning I for the game be to be out at there six watching. o'clock. I will be out there watching at five thirty p.m. and I'm going to have this huge chunk of dead space. Where I have to wait for the uh, the NRL game. For everybody else to turn up because nobody's getting there at five thirty. Yeah, nobody it's except going, for forty. Exactly. So Ham has done me the what a ter- what a, Honestly, what a terrible time to and put it, a game of football. All, all memes aside, it's just terrible. People that work oh. at nine to five or nine to six aren't going to make it. Uh, which is, you know, pretty much anyone that holds a normal job. And uh, outside of that, it just leaves you with a huge amount of dead space between the full-time whistle for Cup and the first uh, the first half whistle for NRL. And I know that- there's always a two-hour break. A game goes approximately hour hour and a half, you could say, for a reserve grade game, mm-hmm. hour and a half. Why do we need two and a half hours? There's got to be something there that the club's planning to do. Are they play maybe fireworks? Are they going to do fireworks? I wonder if it's a Channel Nine thing because it's Friday night football and they want to have like a big setup for their their pregame. Oh, and they've got to have something on the ground and some bullshit. And yeah. But I was planning for the game to be at six o'clock. I would have got there about ten past six. So I'd missed a little bit of the opening. Now I'm going to miss a whole first half. It's like just, it's just not kosher, mate. It's terrible. Like they they want people to go out and you know enjoy a day of the football. Well, two and a half hours, you know. Too long, too long. It is, it is. Oh. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But before we get to and, the- and I'm 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 the one complaining. Like, <laughs> I, I, I I will make the the effort and the excuse for myself to go out there. I think you, I I'm think complaining. You've, you've had the right to complain a little bit about this sort of thing, mate. <laughs> but before we get to those pair of games on Friday night, we do start with the Jersey flag. They're actually playing on Saturday night. I mentioned that Ham's not going to make this one because the poor man's got a social life. Uh, this yeah. one's at five thirty p.m. <laughs> At Ringrose Park, going back to one of our old stomping grounds here, maybe the canteen will be open for a chip and gravy roll. Uh, but mm, the Eels, Eels getting, by virtue of reinforcements for the NRL and New South Wales Cup, they're getting plenty of troops back this week themselves 
in the flag. And it's a bit of a new look lineup because of it. There's a big backline reshuffle, some uh, core forwards back as well. Let's start in the backline. Dantore Louie is going to be at fullback instead of 5'8 this week. You've got Mawala Graham Talfa and Matthew Komalafi on the wings. Komalafi obviously having some success in the New South Wales Cup in terms of try scoring, but with all the reinforcements coming back with Micah Sevon and Sean Russell, uh, he had to get bumped down. It's understandable. Uh, that whole reshuffle means that Corey Fenning is now in the centres. Josh Tuopolotu will partner him there. Jabril Kalachi, who was in the centres prior, is now at 5'8", where he partners the outstanding Ethan Sanders. We already spoke about him glowingly. In the front row, we finally get Jack Colavati and David Hollis back, which are the core props for this team. They've been uh, sort of juggling front row forwards for a number of weeks now, given there was injuries and cup call-ups. David Tui still the hooker, because it looks like Cruz Natoli-Schmidt's done a long-term injury, because he's been out for a, a long time now. But in the back row, you've got Lachlan Blackburn, Peter Tateo, and Ryan Jones at lock forward. Jones having spent a fair bit of time in the cup now. I think it was about a month, wasn't it, Ham? Yeah, about that. Yeah, on the bench, we get Nicholas Lenars. Good to see this man back. The big hyphen. He had a big preseason injury. Where I think he might have broken a leg. And now he's uh, in the number 15. Jonte Jr., Beth and Mesa. Uh, very good young prop prospect. Be interesting to see how he comes back, given that it was a pretty serious break and kept him out for what I want to say nearly three months now. Uh, so good to have him back and probably be a slow process for him, but that is a nice name to see on the team sheet. Nikau Raffle is the last named interchange player in terms of the 1-17 because they've got two reserves in Brock Parker and Larry Moagatutia, so I'm not sure if there's just been a publication error from the Eels. We've seen this in the past with the flag in particular, uh, but I imagine one of those two players would be the, the, the 17th player, but there could also just be an unnamed player that's in there. Could very well be. <laughs> yeah. So it was looking to bounce back. They've been on a bit of a skid lately as injuries and suspensions and, and whatnot have sort of plagued this team. They're taking on the Manly Seagulls who sit. Uh, just above them by one differential point. There you go. So plenty, plenty to play for here is that they, both teams look to get back into the hunt for the top eight. I think it is a top eight in this competition. I imagine it is. And they're taking on a Manly team who we know the hooker, uh, him, uh, Gordon Chem Tong is a player we've seen a fair bit in the junior reps. Yeah, but, good player, uh, I mean, good stocky, fast. We we uh, Zach Fulton obviously has a manly uh, manly name there. The other player we know a little bit about is Ollie Clements, who's on the bench for them, a former eel. Um, played a fair a bit of back row for us, but during those COVID times, we didn't get much of a run, and he's obviously gone to a new club. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see how this one plays out. I'm hopefully going to be out there, but uh, is it Saturday or Sunday? It's election day. Saturday. Saturday. So depending on what my day looks like in terms of everything else, um, hopefully I'm out there. But that brings us to the two big senior games. We already mentioned that this is kicks off at 5.30 p.m. out at Combank Stadium. Eels are taking on the Blacktown Worker Seagulls, which is a, what a terrible name. That is just a terrible, terrible name. Uh, for the Eels, though, a number of changes this week. We already sort of sported a couple of them, but at captain and fullback, it's Jordan Rankin. Pair of new wingers for this grade. Well, Russell's played a little bit there. He was there in the last game, but Mike Acevo and Russell are the flankers. Unchanged in the centres is Zach Sini and Samuel Oizu. In the halves, you've got Jack A. Williams and Jake Arthur. Front row, your boy Ham, Tavita Talmapenu. He'll partner with Rimu Greg. Mitch Rain is the dummy half. In the back row, got a couple of stalwarts there, Eli Osgaham and Bryce Cartwright, who drops back this week with the addition of Murata Niakore to the NRL. And interestingly, Brendan Hands showing his utility. He's had some starts in the halves and at dummy half as well as working off the bench. He's going to be the starting lock forward this week. So I don't know if there's going to be a pre-game reshuffle, but very keen to see what he can add as a starting lock forward. And if it is something useful, it's going to certainly add a big bowstring to his repertoire uh, as you know, pushing for NRL honours as a utility. 
On the bench, you've got Jaden Yates. Big Solomon and Oduki comes back. He's going to be the utility back on the interchange with Luca Moretti and Luke Bain rounding out the four bench spots. No 18th man named, so not a big deal there. They're taking on the Manly Seagulls or the Blacktown Worker Seagulls. couple of familiar names there for uh, the Eels. You've got, uh, what is it? Is it Bruce Ward and Joey Tramontanaham? They're the two ex-Eels, yes. Two Only ex-Eels. two this week. Which is kind of crazy given some of the teams we've, we've seen in the past. Um there is a massive Paul Obalo Fado, which I don't think is related to the Hammer, but you've also got, I think Lorenzo Molotalo might be related to Cronulla Molotalo. You've got a Stefanovic. Sure, he's not related to Carl, but who knows? <laughs> uh, James Secchiaro makes his long-awaited return to NRL contention after signing a training trial or, or bottom-tier deal with Manly. Um, there's, oh, I'm sorry, Kenny, but there's one of the craziest names. It's Kenny Sumfolfak. Fakti? Some for Fakti? I'd say so, yeah. Uh, uh, but aside from that, this is not a manly team rife with NRL talent. We've seen nah. some we've seen some of their, their reserve grade teams, even if they're loaded up in Parramatta Juniors, have a couple of like really good NRL or NRL-ish prospects in there. This is a team that is very light in the NRL talent. Yeah, it seems to be a stinker, but they're the teams that we need to watch out yeah, for because yeah, they can play spoilers. Play hard. Yep, exactly. But, but yes, yeah, um, just in terms of Parramatta. Very young bench, I believe. All players are the age of twenty-two. I think I think you're right there. because yeah, Bain and Yates and Naiduki were all flag eligible last year, and then Moretti came to us as a twenty-one-year-old from last year, right? So yeah, yeah, that's all I mean, twenty-two years we, old. We've so spoken about bench. this at, at length this year is how young the Eels Regis team has been for most of its lineups, and even going to the starting team, like you got uh, if you go across Elsgaham, Hands, uh, who else? Tal- well, my Talpeno is flag eligible. But uh, Wirimu Greg is 22, Hans is 23, 22, Hams 24. Um, obviously, Jake Arthur, flag eligible. Uh, you got Sean Russell. Who's all a, Sam Louisa. Sam Louisa. You know. uh, there is a lot of young talent in this team. And, and even the guys that have gone back to flag, the club is making it a priority to give these guys see, like genuine senior football and, and get them in the mix to figure out uh, how fast they can fast track their development. Uh, good to see. Yeah, and so like I said, this one kicks off at 5.30 p.m. Eels should, on paper, get the win here, uh, but we'll have to wait and yeah, see. Yeah, mainly like, a, a second last by 19 differential points. There you go. So they're, they're not doing too flash this year, and a win in the knock-on effect New South Wales Cup puts the Eels... Uh, in the sixth. In the, in sixth the they'll stay sixth. But it gets, them back, spot. it gets them back in the chase for the top four, uh, paying other results, and it's just a win they need to bank. You know, you can't drop these games. So now bringing us to the main event, which kicks off at 7.55 p.m., obviously at Combank Stadium, given it's a doubleheader, and a Paramount home game. Uh, Eels taking on the Manly Seagulls. Uh, for the Manly team, let's start with them as we always do. Uh, they've got at least one major change this week in the back line, and it's not Tom Tawoyevich. There was some concern from their fans, we probably wouldn't call it concern from Parramatta fans, about uh, Tommy's knee, given he's had a pretty noticeable limp and some strapping on it. But he's been named to play. He'll be at fullback as always. On the wings, they've got Christian Torpolotu and Ruben Garrick. The one change the back line I was talking about is in the centres as Morgan Harper replaces Tom's younger brother, Ben. He'll partner Tolotau Kula, who's that uh, dynamic young centre for the Manly Seagulls. In the halves, you've got Kieran Foran and Daly Cherry Evans. And we talked about not many eels in the Bankstown workers team, Ham, but there's plenty of eels in this forward pack. You've got Josh Aluai, Lock and Croker, Sean Kepi in the front row. You've got Hamole Olakawatu, Andrew Davey and Jake Tabojevic in the back row. Obviously, Al Uy, Kepi, and Davey spending time at the club uh, as juniors and Davey as a, a sort of later-day rookie who made his debut in 2021. Uh, but 
uh, sorry, 2020 it was, not 2021, but uh, much was made about in the presses this week about how Homoli Okawatu was a Parramatta junior that was told he was not good enough way back when he was 14 or 15, um, with the, the club keeping a pair of nuffies over him in the form of Filio Toikamanu and uh, Josh Curran. So, but the media do love a ex-Parramatta story or ex-Parra junior story. In the past, Olokawatu has been sold as a player that sort of gave up on league for basketball and only got back in because he did that trial with Fino, wasn't it, him? So, I believe so, yeah, yeah some so, of that. I mean, obviously a very cool story, and Olokawatu is a pretty handy player, but it is always funny to see the angle that the media can put on a game. On the bench for the Seagulls, getting back to their team, where you've got Dylan Walker, Josh Schuster, Martin Tapau, and Tafawa Fawa Sipley. Uh, interesting to see that Schuster's named on the bench here, given some of the stink that's been kicked up about him playing 5'8", but I suppose the, the club have moved on from uh, Kieran Four in long term, which is why uh, he's happy. But on the extended bench, you've got Ethan Bullimore, Kurt DeLouis, K.O. Weeks, Jamie Humphreys, Alec uh, Tuatavecki, uh, Zach Fulton, Jacob Sykes. Yeah, so they're, they're a team coming off an absolute pounding at the hands of the Brisbane Broncos. I think it was 38-0. There was nothing redeemable for them in that Magic Round game. They're obviously going to be looking to bounce back. And this is a contest for the Eels where they used to dominate uh, for a long time under Brad Arthur since he came in in 2014. But most recently, in the last couple of years, Manly have swung the needle back their way. And the team that's going to be looking to take them down this week for the Eels is Quinton Gufferson, who'll be captain and fullback. You've got Hayes Perham and Bowie Simonson on the flanks. Will Penasini and Tom Opicic round out an unchanged backline. Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses likewise unchanged in the halves. In the front row, you've got Big Reg and Campbell Gillard and Junior Balo, who will be on either shoulder of Reed Marnie. Got a change in the back row this week. Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali, the left and right edge forwards respectively. But Ryan Madison, we mentioned earlier, but he's been rewarded for that rich, rich uh, vein of form. He's going to be the starting lock forward in round 11, which means he's going to have a couple of changes on the bench. Uh, Makahesi Makatoa and Oregon Kafusi retain their spots, understandably. They've actually been in some good form recently. I know we talked about how they've been a bit down a few podcasts back, but it feels like they've lifted their games. But they'll be joined by Murata Niakore, who makes his return from a hamstring injury, while Nathan Brown moves from lock forward to interchange forward. Extended roster, Wiramu Greg, Jake Arthur, Mitch Rain, Bryce Cartwright, Sean Russell, Ellie Elsgaham, and Micah Sivo. Match official is Todd Smith. Touches are Drew Ultram and Nick Bichelle. And unfortunately, as always, I feel like I'm saying Ashley Quine is in the bunker. He's actually pretty good in the bunker for us, young Ash. I mean, I want him in the bunker. Re- recency, the, um- recency bias has been good, but I just I've got yeah, some true. trauma. I've got some trauma <laughs> of Ashley Quine. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, this game, I think it's one that we can win. And I saw Manly play. Who did they play? They lost the Broncos last week. Broncos last week. Tom Travojevic could not run. He could not – when he had the ball in his hands, he could run because he just had that extra motivation. But in defense, he could not run. He could not stretch out. We need to exploit that. We need to get Mitchell Moses' kicking game on. We need to get out to the 40 at very – you know, we need to get out the 40 by third tackle. So we've got that kicking option there and kick before their wingers drop back. Yeah, that's the one thing I think we need to make sure this week. Kick before the wingers drop back. Kick – drive it low. Drive it on the ground. Make him run. Make him chase those 40-20s and make sure that, you know, he's bending over to pick that ball up. Because if you can... That's something in the past we've done so well, but we went away from it in recent contests. But even when he's healthy, he has struggled with the skidding ball in the end zone. But I I reckon that's one thing that we can really exploit. And also, you know, Tom Opicic on that side, you know, if you could do a little quick swap, if, if Will and Bailey and Moses and Papa weren't doing so well together... I think he could exploit Morgan Harper. We well, saw him up against, um, I think his last first grade game was against 
Talakai. The meme lord himself, yeah, Talakai, which got catapulted Talakai into media origin contention. Uh, uh, sorry, no, it wasn't. He played against the Tigers two weeks later, but then that's that was his last, that was his last, second to last game that he played. So he could have a bit of the yips. Uh-huh. And I think that, you know, you could probably get him, but we've got Tommy up on that side, make him make a lot of decisions. Those two things I think we can target um, in terms of, you know, try scoring opportunities. And you look at, like, look at our middles compared to theirs. You got Reggie up against Alawai, Junior up against Kepi. Ryan Madison up against Jake Travojevic. I think moving Maddo in there nullifies Travojevic because Jakey loves getting in underneath the ball. Maddo loves, you know, he doesn't kamikaze himself like Brownie does. Yeah, so he's he not has, has a little bit of footwork at the line. And also his ability to offload, even though we mentioned it can be a little bit off radar at times, sort of forces Jake to maybe reevaluate his tackle technique and maybe go for a less you know, when he gets his dominant driving tackle and he can arrest momentum in a set, but Maddo's a good counterpoint to that, like you mentioned, Ham. I was just going to say, uh, you know, we talked about the Eels struggling for consistency as a theme, not just for us, but for the media in the podcast recently. Manly aren't going too flash lately. Obviously, they got hammered by the Broncos. We already talked about that, but they conceded 22 points in a high-scoring game against the uh, West Tigers the week before, and then prior to that got pounded by the Sharks and Rabbitohs. So they're, they're not doing too flash right now. This is a good time to get them, and this is a, a chance for the Eels to, you know, there's blood in the water here. There is a chance to go out there and, and really give it to them. The only thing is that five-day turnaround coming down from the humidity. It just it blows my mind that this can happen, like five-day turnaround from Magic Ground. Like after everything else that's happened recently for the Eels uh, in terms of their six-day turnarounds. But here we are, five-day turnaround. But I don't know. Maybe that we saw that the, the Darwin trip, the short turnaround was almost like an inspiration. For the boys yeah, to, true. to get fired up, so maybe they and hopefully it. they've got that fire under their belly going. You know, we only lost by seven. We could have won it. We've made a few better mm-hmm. decisions. Well, we need to be switched on this week, and we need to be switched. You know, get leading into the buy. And and one of the big things when it comes to the team construction is having seen Madison justifiably promoted to the starting team over Brown, who you know Brownie we love him, but he's just been not as good as Madison in recent weeks. The big concern would have been a loss of impact from the bench because while Makatar and Kafusi or Kafusi, sorry, have been uh, on the improve in recent weeks, uh, none of them, neither of them, bring the same fire and just difference-making ability that Mado brings to the team. So that would have been a big op- like loss of opportunity cost for player talent uh, for the Eels this week. But the return of Murata Niakore just completely neutralizes that. It just makes it an entirely different equation. Now we've got another absolute firebrand and enforcer on the bench, a guy that can give you cover in the middle, on the edge, and at center. And I think that's going to be huge for the Eels in that second rotation. Well, you know, one guess on where we're going to attack in this game. I mean, we've got, <laughs> we got, we got Junior, Reg, Maddo. Then you've got a couple of uh, forwards on the bench, or is it four forwards on the bench? <laughs> it's four forwards on the bench. You know, Brownie could play uh, hooker at a pinch, and Murata can play center at a pinch. But outside of those two things, they're four middle forwards, basically. Give you, I'll give you one guess on where we're going to attack the the, the manly the, the, the eels. Are, eels are selling out to dominate the ruck this week. But this is something that you wanted, Ham, wasn't it? When you were talking uh, way back about getting this team fit again, uh, going with four big boppers on the bench is certainly uh, not a suboptimal lineup necessarily. Oh, I love it. I seriously love it because it's, it's going to be my third favorite wrestling era. It's going to be ruthless aggression. <laughs> uh, what's your number two? Um, attitude. What's your number one? 
right now, baby. I love uh, it. Yeah. Okay. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> uh, I've got the rose colored glasses on for Attitude Era, baby. You never support me for number one. Fair enough. Bertie, uh, aside from me and him, memeing about uh, different eras in the old wrestling, how do you see this one playing out for the Eels? Where are we going to beat Manly or where do we have to watch out for Manly outside of, say, Tom Tobojevich? Um, we're going to watch out for Manly. They've got speed. You know, they've got Saab and Garrick. No, no, no. no, no Saab who, this week. They've only got Garrick no, Saab. Speedster. They've got a well, yeah, – they've, okay, well, they've got the slower – They've got a Christ, Christian Tuopolotu and Ruben Garrick. So Garrick's got some wheels. Um, and I don't think Tuopolotu uh, is a, a, a side by any means, but – Saab, even though he's been struggling this year, is certainly a, a difference maker athletically between the vertical height for kicks and the outright speed. I mean, you gotta you have to respect Der- Deli Terrios. Even though we you meme him the giraffe, like he still has a good kicking game. He's good defensively, he rushes, so it's gonna be interesting. You know, last week we had um uh, Sam Walker and even um we had Hutchinson and even Kiri rushing up, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But I feel as though you know, you know, surely our players should be fired up. Last week they last year they flogged us up. Uh, um, in the bubble, and even at home, they you know they beat us convincingly. That was the day um, Bob Fordham died, and also, uh, also uh, Josh Joe whatever Sh- Josh Schuster came out and said he was upset that we we neglected him or something like that. So it's just rinse and repeat from Manly, you know, for some back rower we don't want it. So I feel as though our pack they're gonna sit, they're, they're doing their best, you know, and I feel as though they give a hundred percent each week. Um, I love the Matto Plus uh, starting. Like nothing wrong with Nathan Brown. He's just he's not Nathan Brown of last couple of years. Not he's not running as hard. So maybe that's a bit of a bit of a rock up the um the rear end. Um but yeah, you know, four fours on the bench. This is what I was crying for um for the last, <laughs> a month ago when we got to the Tigers, we had literally one Ford on the bench. When we lost yeah. Junior, like I was crying. I'm like, just at least we four, we're not gonna lose we're not gonna lose the meter yardage. The only thing is four forwards on the bench means a a pretty aggressive timeshare of minutes in the middle. How do the Eels play this one out, boys? Because we know that Junior and Reg are capable of going 50-plus minutes with ease, but maybe this is a, a sign that they're going to try and keep him a little bit fresher. Uh, but you've got Ice on one edge who's going to play 80 minutes, or I suspect by 80 minutes. We've got Sean on the other edge who uh, last week got a bit banged up and came off, but the week before against Penrith, there was a tactical substitution made to get Rat Madison to go from middle to left edge, and that ended up being sensational given the try that he scored. Do we see a similar occurrence this week where Maddo starts at lock in the game then moves to an edge when Murata comes on? Or do we see Murata just playing edge outright to replace Sean Lane? Because Murata's a bloke that they want to give big minutes to eventually, but this is a game where they might ease him back in. What What is the rotation in your opinion this week's? This week, not weeks. Well, I reckon you hit it on the head with Murata going out to the edge there. I mean, you bring him on late in the game. He'll be up against, uh, on that right-hand side, will be Olakowatu and Cherry Evans. You get him early ball up against Cherry Evans and just tell him, run at that prick right there. <laughs> He's going to need two and three defenders helping him out. And we saw we saw with Sam Walker last week, the commentators were praising how well Walker was holding up with defensive resilience to ice in the first 20, 30 minutes. But that workload defensively does take its toll, and the Eels had huge profits to be made by targeting Walker later in the game as Papali got a double, and Moses also had a, a dominant running game down that edge too. I mean, Nathan Brown with his footwork after, you know, after 20, 25 minutes, not 20, after, when you give Reg or Junior a break, you know, Nathan Brown with his footwork, you know, he... He doesn't. He runs straight, but he, you know, he has a bit of a um, sidestep in him. So when he, when he's at his best and he's cutting back inside the ruck, he can be devastating. And funnily mm-hmm. enough, for for a bloke that I feel was down a little bit on form, which I will say I understand because he essentially had no preseason. He came back uh, for that Cronulla game and had you know just gotten back from his injury. 
But I think that Cronulla game was probably his best game off the bench where he came in and like you said, Bertie brought a bit of juice. Didn't He could go all out in a shorter period of time and was able to use that footwork effectively back inside the ruck. Other than that, um, yeah, I think – I don't know. I think Murata would be better in the middle, but I'm just biased because but that, that, that's I, I, I want he's going to score some tries. But that's like, why it's such a like cool conversation middle, because Murata and Madison give you an insane amount of flexibility of how you use them in a given game. And you don't have to have a, a, a constant or set plan for them in a game. You can be very liquid with how you deploy them and be very reactive to what the game's giving you because both players are so good as edge and middles in any given situation. Exactly. But yeah, that that's, uh, I think, pretty much the sort of nuts and bolts of this game. It's it's not rocket surgery this week. Manly are there to be beaten up the middle. The Eels have really tooled themselves up for it. It's good to have Murata back. It's good to see Madison starting as a reward for his imperious run of form. And we know that Manly can be dangerous. They've beaten us uh, quite a few times in the last couple of seasons, but the Eels back at home finally after a month on the road, going to be a, hopefully a pretty big crowd out there. What's the home, by the way? Uh, what's the stadium like? I mean, we haven't been here for a while, yeah. haven't we? Well, does anyone remember what Combank Stadium looks like? I mean, it's been so long. Is the pool still there? <laughs> <laughs> and legit, we haven't what, been there. What, after Friday night with all the Manly tears, there might oh, be a nice, pool there. Nice, nice. Yeah, Eels will be looking for a, not just a win, but I think a good win here in, in this particular contest. Um, Pam already mentioned that Tom is essentially running on one knee. You got to take advantage of it with the kicking game, with when you you know with how you get line breaks, with how you manipulate him defensively. Um, but on the on the flip side, don't give him the easy runs when he has the ball. If he's going to run the ball up, smash him. You know, go don't yeah. don't cannonball into the knee. That's obviously just insanity. But you know, make him feel the sort of the pain of playing a, an NRL game when you're playing on one leg. So, you get along the ground, make him bend over. Yeah, and Every like, little thing like that, buddy, like- 100%. 100%. Drive him backwards in the tackles. You know, Make sure he gets turtled. Which nasty. plays. Yeah, exactly. The the change Which of pace stuff. Should be, on the, should if, be if right on the cards. If week. he's pushing hard to the left, make him come back right off the foot. Vice versa, if he's going hard to the right, make him come back to the left. Test those legs out. Pump him full of meters. Make him hurt. That that's it. That's really it. And obviously, you just pay your pay your juice to the the halves because both foreign and Terriers will punish you if you get sloppy. And then don't give away any cheap cheap opportunities to the forwards because Manly will try for a, a bash over with their back rowers. We've seen it in the past, and it's been effective for us, effective for them against us when we got sloppy. And that's it. So let's move on to predictions, boys. Unless you have got anything else you want to preview. Um, uh, maybe Hayes has to be on on lookout for forty twenties. You know, like. I know he's new Dally, to the position. Dally, Dally is one of the best exponents of the 40-20 in the competition. That is a good shout, Bertie. I imagine that Gufferson's going to be um, on his bike at plenty in this game, but equally too, the wingers need to chime in as well, and that's something that DC is probably going to look to exploit if he sees Hayes out of position. But let's move on to predictions, boys. Bertie, as always, we'll start with you. Who's yeah, you? I'm, I'm going to bounce back. Um, I think we're going to win 28-10. Brown's going to – sorry, not Dylan Brown's going to make a break. He's going to test uh, Trebojevic's knee, and uh, he's just going to run around him, you know? Ham would be so happy if he did that. You would make his weekend, I think, if Dylan really got in the space but backed himself for the try line. Yeah, like exactly like last week. Instead of kicking it, he's just going to run. And, um, you know, uh, other than that, um, you know, Moses, as always, I feel as though whenever we win, he's always got a hand in everything, and, yeah, he's going to dominate. Um, I feel as though Maddo's going to have a very good game. Maybe we bring back the offload, and, um, you know, maybe have 20-plus offloads. It's a bit of an ask lately, but um, other than that, I'm looking forward to seeing how this prop rotation looks out because we can't keep playing 70, 65 minutes to junior and reg. We're going to, you know, mm-hmm. tie them out. So other than that, um, yeah, I feel it would be a comfortable win. There you go. Ham, do you see a comfortable win on the forecast? And if not, what do you see? Otherwise, who's your first try scorer? Um, 
I would like to say <laughs> I, I, I can foresee a comfortable win, but I just looked at last year's games again. With 56-10, they beat us up in Queensland mm-hmm. and 28-6. The 56-10 admittedly was at the very rock bottom of our slide during that mid yeah. season. But like I said, we've gone from absolutely dominating them under Brad Arthur, like, and I mean dominating them for the first, I want to say, five or six years of his tenure here to most recently they've put a lot more effort into the contests and have uh, got the ascendancy in the last couple of seasons. And their game is this sort of game that troubles us. We like when teams go up the middle and they do have the game to worry us. And, you know, if if Tom Travojevic has got the calf's blood injected, allegedly – um, <laughs> don't a, know that's why I'm a, doing that. Nobody throw, listens throw, to throw this podcast. Throw back to the old days of Desi and Manly, the old calves. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully that knee's still a bit wonky um, because last year he ran for over 300 metres against us. Uh, so hopefully he doesn't do that this time. Uh, but I am going to tip Parramatta. I, mean, I am going to tip Parramatta 37 to Manly's 2. That's a solid win. Boris Trice. Field goal or not? No, 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 no. It's a penalty. I'll get the first penalty. I'll get the first penalty. Uh, Ola Kawatu will um, dive down at Dylan Brown's knees, and Dylan will just, just clip the top of his head. <laughs> <laughs> and first try scorer will be the big 13 starting the game, Ryan Matteson. I like it. I like it. Yeah, well, Ham went a little bit conservative on his prediction. I'm, I'm going out there. I'm going, I'm going Ham with the caps lock on this week. Eels 54. Manly's Ooh. eight. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's probably going to end up with egg on my face, but I don't know. It's just got the makings of a, of a big, big win. He was looking to bounce back from Magic Round back home. I don't know. We've got we to we get the ascendancy back in this matchup between us and Manly. It's not right that they've been the better team in the contest the last couple of seasons. Uh, first try score. I think you're onto something here. I, I do like the Ryan Madison pick. The guy's been starting, the guy's been scoring. Uh, sorry, the guy's been scoring went from not starting, and now that he's starting, it just makes sense that he scores. So I, I do look forward to him being FTS. Um, I don't know who's bagging the hat trick in this game. Uh, maybe Will Penasini's due. So I would, I would I like love, it. I would love a Will Penasini hat trick. I'm not going to lie. So can, can I make another prediction? Oh yeah, far away. The 240 for Ryan Madison. Ooh, 220 meters, the, 40 the, tackles. The elite Ooh. benchmark. We saw Nathan Brown do this a fair few times in 2017, and it's it's a very elite club. If you can do the 200 meters, 40 tackle double, uh, it it is genuinely rarefied air. I think. Back back when we looked at it last time, Ham, it was literally Brown and Tamalolo that had done it in like the last decade. I want to say. Uh, Jake Trevojevic hit it a Jake couple Walsh, of times. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. That's the other one. An and eighty that- yard run to score his try will set it up. <laughs> oh, but then he's only making 120 metres for the rest of the game. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah. I, want imagine, him make, it. I, I don't want him to do a David Fafita. I want him to steps, do a Ryan Madison. Imagine he does a step to um to Trevojevic, what he did to um to Liverpool. He has recovered still. Ankles <laughs> uh, but on Maybe. that note, that's all the football we're going to talk about this week. Before we sign off, boys, any <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> goodness, any uh, other sports or shout outs you want to make? I know the NBA finals are hitting up, Birdie. Uh, we saw the Phoenix Suns collapse in epic fashion. We saw the reigning champions in the Milwaukee Bucks bumped out by the Boston Celtics or Celtics. The Kendall Jenner curse strikes again. It's true. The Kendall Jenner curse does strike again. Um, and speaking of Kendall Jenner curse, uh, Ben Simmons, uh, the former partner of Kendall, his former team bombed out in spectacular fashion too. And there's a bit of a meltdown going on at Philly. So NBA never ceases to disappoint. There is always plenty of drama uh, for the NFL. I think the the biggest talk was uh, <coughs> what's his name? Uh, 
Oh, goodness. The Deshaun Watson taking his entire offense to the Bahamas. So, good on him. The less said about the Sean situation, the, the better. The Chargers had the best ever season reveal. Oh, if the, you, the anime. you got to watch oh, it. The anime, man. Like, like I'm not, you, you take him to hedonism? Hedonism too? <laughs> The, 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 the ripping and the tearing, the ripping and the tearing. You got, you got, you got to see the. If you go watch it, right? Yeah. And then go just... look at the when they verse the Cleveland Browns, and then you see it's a bit of a cheeky sledge, and then you also see the one where they verse the Colts as Pat McAvee gets to mention, and it it's is pretty a, it's seriously pretty high funny, quality man. stuff. And it was all done in house to it and outsource it to an animation studio. Um, yeah. They just had a particular talented staff member do it. So very well done to the Chargers media team who do lead the NFL as the uh, the ranking meme lords. And best media outfit bar none, I think. Yeah, and outside of that, Bertie, um, Ham, I don't know if there's much doing. We saw Gowan get beaten in the boxing. Uh, that's about it, really, though, wasn't it? Oh, we didn't mention it, but uh, this is going back a few weeks now, but uh, the Korean zombie was absolutely annihilated by the Aussie, uh, what's his name, Volk, uh, Volk- Volkanovski, Volkanovski, the goat, yeah. Who, uh, seeing him as a rugby league player and watching, and then I get a picture and seeing him now as an MMA fighter is just wild. The guy went from like 100 and something kilos down to like seventy kilos, Bertie, is it? Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was like he lost like forty kilos. Like he was essentially playing the same position. Yeah. He wasn't junior polo size, but he was more like a Nathan Brown esque, yeah. maybe a bit heavier than Brown. Um, playing in the Illawarra district, so he, he is an absolute animal. He is one of the like pound for pound one of the best fighters in the UFC. Um, mm. and he's just too good for his weight division, honestly. So he's he cleaned the division now. Now he's going to be fighting um, Max Holloway, who he's beat twice already. So. He's literally just... They're, they're in a bit of a bind with um, booking him fights because the guy's just too good for anyone near his weight division. Like, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'd be cool to see how much he can dominate the MMA for EOC for a while. And, yeah, I think that's about it, boys, unless, Ham, you've got a music recommendation this week. No, I do not. Sorry. Well, you better, better come <laughs> back from your pub crawl for recommendation for next week. Oh, that's your I, will be, I will be... I will be... It's pub golf, so you got to... I'm not promoting alcoholism on this podcast. It's terrible. I'm going to be so sick on Sunday. <laughs> Am's getting white girl wasted. Off oh, white getting a lot worse than white girl wasted. <laughs> I'm getting wasty wasted. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, and on that bombshell, I think we'll sign off, boys. Hopefully, we're going to have Ham back healthy from his big crawl or pub golf on the weekend. But um, more importantly, I think we want to see a Parramatta win on Friday night. And um, maybe. Do you reckon we can, before we go, do you reckon we can get um, our boss bailing out Ham and do the podcast in the cell after he gets, you know, he gets on the. <laughs> That's going to be a. That might be some good entertainment. There we go. We'll, we'll just I, be, think I, I think I will need some legal advice. Live, live from the tank. Um, uh, <laughs> got ham and ham on location as we um we do the Parapod podcast instant reaction edition. I mean, he, I mean, he can't do worse than Amber Heard's lawyers, man. You know, oh, so God. it's all right there. Oh, so. God. <laughs> yes, that is a very very good way to shut it out, Bertie. So we'll catch you guys next week or on the weekend, maybe depending on if we can get an instant reaction podcast set up for Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but otherwise we'll catch you next Tuesday hope you guys have a safe weekend and hopefully the Parramatta's get up for a big win 50 points baby fingers crossed see you later go Parra see you